But first. Chicago is on a major migratory pathway for many birds escaping the coming cold weather. Now this year, bird enthusiasts expect a high-intensity migration. But weather conditions are pushing these small flyers to soar low to the ground, putting them at risk of running into Chicago's many buildings. Now, in just one night last week, over a thousand birds were killed flying into the windows of McCormick Place. We turn now to a few experts on what risk Chicago buildings pose to migrating birds this season and what can be done to prevent it going forward. Stephanie Bilkey is the senior manager in conservation science at Audubon Great Lakes. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Sasha. Douglas Stotts is an ornithologist at the Field Museum. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Annette Prince is the director of the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors. Good to see you again, Annette. Thank you very much. So, Doug, I'll start with you. Tell us when exactly is migration season and the kind of birds that you're seeing migrate through Chicago, typically. So, migration occurs both in spring and fall. In spring, it's basically mid-March through the end of May. And then in fall, it starts mid August and goes more or less to Thanksgiving. And there are a bunch of birds that migrate at other times, but that's the main period. And so right now we're right in the heart of fall migration. Mm, okay. Well, Stephanie, the Audubon Great Lakes sent our producer those bird sounds that we just heard a few moments ago. But there are so many different bird calls in there. So talk yeah. us through how many birds typically fly through the, the migratory path. Yeah, well, here in Chicago, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of birds, millions of birds that fly um, through uh, the area. So that's just individuals and hundreds of species. And a lot of the birds that we're seeing right now range from, you know, uh, our warbler species, sparrows, um, different kinds of thrushes. And um, soon we'll be seeing waterfowl moving through. Okay. Well, why are we seeing more this year? So I wouldn't say we're necessarily seeing more birds, but because of the delay in migration, because we had a lot of south winds, we kind of had a buildup of birds. And then they, um, a weather system came through last week and it was like the floodgates were open. Oh, because I mean, word on the street is that there were more. (laughs) (laughs) There's, uh, you know, more than we're used to seeing in just one day for sure. But yeah, I mean, normally all of those birds, we'd still be seeing them move through. And that are high rises the big, biggest culprits here? What makes them particularly dangerous to these birds? Well, a lot of it's uh, kind of like real estate location, location, location. Anything that's a uh, that has glass and is in uh, an area where birds are traveling is mm-hmm. dangerous. Anything from a, resi- a residential building to a, uh, a high rise building can be dangerous. It's it's really uh, so. It's not just skyscrapers. It, most definitely not. We can sometimes get a concentration, especially with a building like McCormick Place. Uh, Lakeside, you have a building that is right along the Michigan Lake Michigan shoreline where birds are uh, traveling. These birds are traveling at night. They're they're over the lakefront, and when morning comes, they are moving in to settle in and rest for the day. Mm-hmm. And also, if they are attracted by bright lights, and that the building had its lights on in the in the nighttime when they are normally used to having darkness below them, they can be confused, disoriented, and attracted uh-huh. towards the dangerous structures. Uh, whether they're McCormick Place isn't really a skyscraper, and and yet there were a thousand birds at that location because it was just at the, at the wrong place at the at the right the time. Wrong, yeah, a thousand birds running into McCormick Place in in one day. I mean, it just. I mean, I, I saw the headlines on the news, and that was that just sounded 
pretty wild. So is that pretty much what it is about that building, Stephanie, is the lights? Lights were definitely a factor. Um, but, I mean, we heard that a lot of the birds were flying in during the day, too. So, um, you know, it has a lot of glass windows and its location, like Annette said, right on the lake. There are a lot of birds um, that, uh, you know, find themselves over large bodies of water, like Lake Michigan, and their instinct is just to fly towards the nearest land. And um, when a building's right on the lake and there's confusing glass that, you know, has reflections in it that looks like um, trees or a safe place to land, they get confused and fly into that. And the, the birds are then collected by the Field Museum, right, Doug? Right. The Field Museum collects. What do you do with them? They end up in our collection, our scientific collection. So when they come in, so like on Thursday when this happened, you know, there were, I don't know, six or eight people sort of processing all these birds in the bird collection and gathering together into groups. And, and for the most part, they then ended up in the freezer and will be prepared over the next few months. Um, but they will end up in the bird collection um, where they'll be available for scientific study. So, Annette, I mean, these birds, they're still migrating for another few weeks. Does running into a building truly just end that little bird's journey? Well, we've been collecting birds over the last 20 years in the, in the mile and a half of downtown that's north of McCormick Place. And on that day when there were a 1,000 at, at McCormick Place, we ourselves collected another 1,000 in that square mile. Wow. And th- those birds are have been coming through in, in big numbers since the middle of August. Uh, there's different patterns of birds that are coming through. Uh, we'll, we'll start seeing some different species as the season gets later. But um, these birds which are, are... Which ones are we seeing most right now? Right now, we're the, the warblers are sort of moving and ending, and we're starting to get more of the sparrows and the thrushes and woodcocks and uh, uh, juncos that are the the kind of the late arrivers that may not be as traveling as far south. Uh, they may just be going to the southern United States. I see. So these birds are coming through, and uh, anytime there's glass in the in- environment that they're traveling through, it's a it's a hazard for them because they really haven't experienced. Uh, uh, glass. Many of them, these are uh, birds that hatched this uh, this summer up in northern United States and Canada, mm-hmm. and they're experiencing an urban environment with lights and uh, reflective or transparent glass that uh, is is dangerous. We find about about thirty percent of what we find is. Um, Injured, and about seventy percent of what we find is dead. Uh, the thirty percent have a good chance to, if we can pick them up quickly while they're on the sidewalks in the streets of Chicago, and incapacitated on the ground, stunned, or unable to really move quickly, they can be run over by cars, stepped on by people, grabbed by predators. But we find that the majority of the thirty percent we pick up uh, have a chance to be released. They're taken to uh, rehabilitation, and they're they're given a second chance to be released in a forest preserve, a much safer environment. Yeah. The other seventy percent go to the field museum, where again they're used for research and uh, education. Mm-hmm. And we feel that even though they've they've perished, they're they're being uh, they're contributing to knowledge of their species, and they're almost not, like their life goes on. There, there's a way they can contribute to maybe us finding ways to help birds and trying to prevent uh, yeah. these kind of collisions. How can people reach the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors Hotline to report, you know, an injured bird if they see yes. one? Yes, if you see de- an injured or dead bird, because we collect the dead birds for documentation as well, uh, they would call seven seven three nine eight eight one eight six seven. 
do not text. Uh, our, our people who work the hotline uh, can only receive uh, calls. And okay. uh, you can also go to our webpage, which is www.birdmonitors.net. We're a not-for-profit organization and all volunteer. And any help that people can give to volunteer with us or donate helps us keep helping. The th- we pick up more than 5,000 birds a year just in the one and a half square mile that we look in downtown wow. Chicago. Stephanie, the city has uh, sponsored a Lights Out Chicago program to encourage owners and managers of tall buildings to shut off or at least dim uh, their lights to try and help these migratory birds. That went into effect back in 2020. How effective has the Audubon Society found it to have been? Well, yeah, the Audubon Society works across the United States and working with implementing lights out programs with our chapter network. And, you know, it does have an impact. Um, uh, you know, we can decrease the, the number of collisions by keeping lights out. But, um, you know, you're always going to have some birds that fly during the day um, that hit windows or be attracted to some of the, you know, you can't completely shut out all the light that attracts birds to some of these places. Yeah, Doug, have you noticed a change in, in how many birds are, are dying by building since that program started? Um, the one place that we really have good data on this is McCormick Place, where when we first started picking up birds at McCormick Place, it was always lit up. And then um, they started having it be dark when there are not shows in there. And so we were actually able to demonstrate that turning the lights off at McCormick Place would reduce the kill on average about 90%. Mm. So it makes a big difference to have the lights off. Um, what extra effort would you want to see from Chicago officials that could make a bigger difference? So lights are one part of it. The other thing that's already been mentioned is glass. Yeah. And when you know this was first happening, there there really weren't alternatives. But now there are alternatives in glass that are safer for birds. Birds can see in ultraviolet, so you can put a pattern that's visible in the ultraviolet so the birds can see the glass. And the city has a, what passed an ordinance to have this happen, but it's been languishing in the bureaucracy for several years. Hmm. Rumor has it it will emerge this year, but but that would mean that new construction would not be as dangerous as old ones. For for the other buildings, the biggest thing is making sure the lights are off. Yeah, um, You can use decals. They will help a little, but it's basically once you have big panes of glass, making sure as few birds end up there is, uh, is the most yeah. important. And that I, I wonder... Uh, to what degree climate change plays a role in, in why we're seeing this larger uh, larger than, than typical migration this year? And we were just talking about that and this, the idea that with climate change, uh, we're seeing different uh, patterns. We're seeing uh, times when uh, birds are perhaps building up in larger numbers and moving in these in these big events that we're seeing. So that that's something the hurricane season certainly had an impact on where and when birds were moving. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing unusual birds showing up in, in crazy places. We've got flamingos in Wisconsin right I now. I was just about to ask you about that. <laughs> exactly. That's so, what comes to mind. Yeah. Um, so, the, so it impacts what time of year birds are migrating through Various parts, yeah, exactly, and 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 uh, you know it it can change uh, some of their their breeding habits. It could change how far they choose to migrate. Some birds have to travel further because 
the area that the, or the the habitat that they want uh, because the, the uh, temperatures have changed, uh, maybe drifting further and further south, so they may have to travel further and further to get to the uh, place they want to spend in the winter or the place they want to breed in the summer, uh, because we're, we're, we're our, our weather is sort of you know changing and and and, and moving toward the, the yeah. two, two different poles. Stephanie, I know birds fly at different heights depending on their species, and uh, they, in general, tend to fly higher during the day. That's according to my little research that I've done. You guys are the experts, though. I wonder, though, if it means some species, maybe they're just more likely to collide with buildings. Yeah, we definitely have found that some birds are more likely to hit buildings than others, and there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, It could have to do with um, the height at which they fly, but... Um, There was a study that came out recently where they found that, you know, birds that call more frequently in flight were more likely to hit buildings. And that may have to do with, you know, they're in communication with each other in a big flock while they're moving. Mm. And um, they're maybe not paying attention. Well, (laughs) I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that. It's just that they, you know, they they don't understand glass, you know, they might, um, they understand that there's going to be potentially um, objects for them to land on, but not necessarily at the height that they're, they're flying at that they would expect like a structure being there. But yeah, there are um, different um, uh, research showing that, you know, some birds, they call them like super colliders where they're a lot more likely to, to hit buildings than, than other birds. And that's like some of the birds, like the woodcock, um, which we see a lot um, starting in the next few weeks. We'll see a lot of them moving through the Chicago area. And they um, tend to hit buildings more so than other birds in their their um, taxonomic uh, family, and uh, which are shorebirds, actually, though they are a woodland bird. But their eyes are located further back on their heads than other birds, and mm-hmm. that may have a, um, something to do with why they um, collide more, that you know they, they have a different kind of vision field. So to put it bluntly, Doug... Why should we care if migratory birds are killed by collisions? Um, because it's inexcusable, <laughs> you know, that we're we're killing tens of hundreds of millions of birds every year with our buildings, especially given that it doesn't have to happen. But it's also a, a conservation issue in that these birds, so most of the birds we're talking about are what are called neotropical migrants. And so they migrate from the boreal forest north of us to Central and South America and Caribbean. Um, those birds are showing declines all around. And so this extra unnecessary mortality really affects their the potential for their long-term survival. Mm. And um, it's... It's it's also, to me, incredibly sad to see these birds that are traveling tens of, you know, hundreds of miles, thousands of miles, just not make it where they're going because they ran into a building that had its lights on. So we know Chicago passed the Bird Safe Buildings Act in 2020, and it dictates that a new any new construction of a state building has bird-safe designs, and some suggestions include uh, putting some kind of netting, screen, or shutter outside of glass buildings. How does that help, Annette? 
Well, it puts something in between the path of, of, of the bird and the glass. So uh, having a screen hanging people on their own homes, hang cords or ribbons. They put things that are essentially are almost a barrier or, or a visual uh, or tactile signal that the, as the birds approach, they see that something's there. They can. Um, I've put external screens on my windows at home, so if a bird comes toward the window, the first thing they're going to encounter is a is a screen that they can land on or bounce off of, and they won't hit the hard surface of, of the glass. You want to give birds something to see. Uh, if, if it's just a surface of glass, you want to put something that's a pattern that either catches their visual attention and shows them that there's no place, there's something in their way, and they, yeah. they can they need to go left or right to get around what that thing is. It, it, leaving it open and, and clear, or leaving it in. Uh, a reflection uh, gives birds a false image that they don't understand that they, they should not fly towards it. So you want to alert them uh, visually or with a barrier t- that uh, they should they should not head in that direction. And your organization's met with many glass manufacturers working with large buildings, right? What did they say about making changes to their products for bird safety? Well, initially, uh, they we had discussions uh 20 years ago, and they had ideas, but they felt that the research and development that would go into making them, if no, if none of these products were going to be used or required, uh, they were hesitant to go into expanding uh, these products. And the more and more we see municipalities uh, adopting bird-friendly design requirements is driving the market to to create these products. And by virtue of that, it's going to create jobs, which is a good thing. It's going to create more variety of products. It's going to create a lower price on the products because people often resist doing bird-friendly design because of the what they consider an extra expense. Mm-hmm. It can be. It an costs extra, more. It can. Though retrofitting it, building it, and then trying to fix it later is way more expensive. And if you design correctly, it doesn't have to cost more. But these products, as as uh, we hope the city of Chicago adopts the um, requirement to have new construction be bird friendly, uh, it's going to drive the market. And there's going to be uh, more more products, lower prices, more options to the point that right now you can only get bird friendly glass for commercial. Uh, 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 projects and someone, an individual homeowner can't go to a, a home improvement store and find bird-friendly glass. But those products are, are going to eventually move into a market that, such that in our homes we can get that kind of glass, and that'll, you know, make make a whole world of difference to uh, people wanting to adopt and, and incorporate these these materials. Yeah. So Stephanie, the Aqua Tower near the Loop, it's one example that we could think of. That's you know bird-friendly architecture, if you will. Uh, its design and its ridges, they eliminate the, the vast expanse of reflective glass that we've been talking about um, that just helped birds avoid the building. Can you point to other structures that have bird-friendly designs? Um, there was uh, um, the Bucks uh, 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 new stadium in Milwaukee was designed um, as a bird-safe building, mm-hmm. and that um, that was constructed a few years ago, and it came at just excellent timing because um, there was a lot of news about um, the Minnesota Vikings stadium. Their new stadium had a lot of glass and there was a lot of, um, you know, after the fact, after they had built it, you know, people were reporting that there were a lot of birds um, that were striking that building. And, um, you know, people knew before that it was being built, but, you know, then it, then it was constructed and, 
there wasn't much that they could do except potentially do those retrofits like we heard. But oh, I see. So it was good yeah. good timing um, for the Buck Stadium that they got in early and were able to um, build that um, stadium with, with thinking about birds in advance and being uh, – you know, being able to promote that and uh, be an example that you can build bird-friendly buildings. Mm-hmm. Remind us, Doug, how long does this migratory period last? Like, when when can we expect the last of the birds flying through the path this year? Basically, this year it will be over Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So, so we, we still have several we weeks. We still have several weeks. And October is typically the heaviest period of migration in the fall. And aside from what we've talked about, turning out the, the brightest lights in their homes in the evening. Uh, Give us something easy, Annette, that people can do today to just help birds along this migratory path. Well, the light reduction is is very important. And I like what you said that you've done at your home. Yeah, just adding external screens. uh, And we often talk about when a building needs to be retrofitted that it could be a monumental task to fix an entire building. But if you can isolate an area where the concentration of strikes are happening. There are often easy things that you can do. You can add uh, short-term, you can soap your windows on the outside for the the coming weeks. You can put temporary paint patterns. You can hang ribbons in front of your windows. Oh. You can just put anything that... Soaping them. Yeah, you put soap on the windows. It's, it looks looks like it's a, a, a solid surface, and thereby the bird does not see an opening that they can fly through. You can move your plants very close to the windows. That way birds will land on the plants instead of the surface of the, or hitting the surface of the glass. If you have bird feeders, they suggest the bird feeders be as close to the window as possible because they can't build up a head of steam to hit the glass very hard. They'll just bump it. Whereas if you have your bird feeders or you have a yard that's very attractive to birds, it, it really behooves you to make sure that if you've put uh, an inviting uh, in environment for birds in a, in a yard or, mm-hmm. or landscaping in a downtown building, those areas are the most important ones to protect because birds are going to spend their time there. And if there's any glass that you can do something to uh, retrofit and add uh, protections to, it's the glass that's next to the, the natural areas that birds are going to spend their time and that they really rely on to refuel and rest in so that they can do these um, you know incredible journeys the birds that weigh a couple ounces are, are as doug said flying hundreds and thousands of miles right and on their way and they they need and have always relied on a, a very nice environment here along the lakefront that we've added a lot of dangerous obstacles into yeah good tips so where can folks go to learn more about your efforts to, to study the birds migration and collision patterns annette our our website www.birdmonitors.net uh, has a lot of resources about how to make uh, buildings safer, uh, what what current things are on our Facebook page as well for bird monitors. And the American Bird Conservancy has a webpage that really focuses a lot on collisions and has good information to share. And uh, I recommend as well as BirdCast, which is something that the Cornell um, uh, puts out. And it's a, um, it's a, 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 a compilation of... Um, of radar and uh, past bird movement data to kind of show when birds are coming our way, what oh, kind of great. what's coming this way. So checking out the Cornell website is another place to uh, really uh, understand and uh, follow along with what these birds are doing. The National Audubon Society also has a new a website that came out last year called the Migratory Bird Explorer. So if you want to follow along where birds are going, we have a 
collective of uh, all the information from birds that have been tracked or submitted through eBird that shows their migratory patterns. And you can find out, you know, what challenges they're facing across their migratory journey as well as where you live. So check out the Bird Migration Explorer. Stephanie Bilkey is a Senior Manager in Conservation Science at Audubon Great Lakes. Annette Prince is the Director of the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors. And Doug Stotts is an Ornithologist at the Field Museum. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.